Welcome everyone to Coffee with Christy. I have Ginger here with me and I'm not going to say her last name because I just don't want to mess it up. So can you tell it's your last name? It's Ginger Dimopasak. Ginger Lim Dimopasak. I have any because there's not a lot of um, guys in my family that can carry the name. Carry so. the name. Oh, yeah. that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Now she is the owner of Cafe 86. That's right. Here in Channel Hills, she actually owns five We locations. own and operate five locations throughout Southern California and one in Las Vegas. One in Las Vegas. Yeah. I remember when you opened that one. Yeah. And so we know each other through our daughters. And, um, but I thought I'd bring her on because with everything going on with COVID, but aside, even aside from COVID, her story is a really fantastic story. Um, so, Ginger actually is from the Philippines, correct? Yes. Okay. So for those of you who are listening, I thought I'd share that. So tell us, you actually met your husband when you were in the Philippines, correct? I met James, um, funny, before Tinder days <laughs> through AOL mm -hmm. or ICQ. I don't remember which platform, but it was a chat room platform when the internet was so new. It's about 1997, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I was fresh out of high school. I think it was freshman year in college. And we finally got a computer with internet. The dial-up one, you know? Oh, yeah. The slow one. Where the you noise. Need, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that made lots of noise. <laughs> you turned it on, walked away, yeah. and came back. Yeah. yeah. And then there is a chat room, and you download the chat room, and you're able to chat with random people, and there he was. Oh, that's so awesome. that's how we met. We became friends through that. And then I officially met him in person in 99 when I went to school here in the States for culinary school. Were you planning on coming to the States originally? Yes. To so um, I had a brief stint in college thinking that I could um, go into communications and, mm -hmm. you know, eventually law school and mm -hmm. all that. Um, I didn't quite like being in school. I don't know what it was, but it just, it didn't feel like it was for me. I enjoyed my school life right. in high school, but going to college, just something just didn't click. And I, that I, wasn't for you. I dropped out. I remember the day I dropped out. I didn't mean to drop out. I just dropped my classes and the class card arrived by mail at our house. And my mom and my dad sat me down and said, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I don't know. And they asked me, what do you want to do? Uh -huh. And when they asked me, I didn't expect the question, what do you want to do? Yeah. So I said, I don't know. And my mom just said, you love to cook. You love to bake. Do you want to go to culinary school? And I said, maybe I do. Yeah. Maybe I do. And that was it. And it was easy as that. I mean, I don't think anyone expected that my parents would react that way to me, dropping out mm -hmm. and wanting to, you know, take a different path. But they did. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like they knew. But, but your love for cooking, you told me this great story from your mom and your dad. Oh, yeah. And, and share um, that with us. I, I come kinda... from a family that truly loved to cook and to eat. Mm -hmm. My mom comes from a region in the Philippines called Bampanga. And they're notorious for being excellent cooks. And my dad came from Cebu. And they were known to be great cooks too. So all my life. You know, all I knew was good food mm -hmm. and our family times revolved around eating and preparing food. So I've always been in the kitchen either with my mom, with my grandma, with my aunts. So right. it was it was a way of life for us. So I've always been cooking and baking. And then you shared your mom. Yeah. And I think um, 
the most important thing that I remember as far as preparing food and making food for others was my mom's insurance business. Funny enough, mm-hmm. nothing to do with food. She worked in finance. She sold insurance, um, you know, got people's futures stabilized set and set up. But a big part of it was food. And I always wondered what that was about because why are we bringing a pot of Arascaldo to your appointment today? Mm-hmm. Why are you cooking pancit for Mr. So-and-so? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And then I realized it was part of her customer service to all these people. Mm-hmm. It was part of her job to not just sell them something and you know get business from them, but getting to know them in a deeper level and servicing them in other ways other than just, you know, filling out an insurance policy for you. She fed them. She nurtured them. She took care of them. She took care of them. Yes, in more ways than one. Yeah. But I I think that that's pretty common even in the Hispanic culture. Yes. Like food, everything revolves around the kitchen. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody comes over to your house, you want to feed them. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I think that follows suit with me opening a business. And Mm -hmm. when I interview these kids that come to work for us and Mm -hmm. train with us, it's very important to me that they understand the importance of customer service and yeah. that these people are taking their hard-earned money, One choosing the- to walk into your doors and buy your product when they could go to Anywhere. several other places. So I said, you have to treat them like royalty, you know. Yeah. One so. of the stories that I remember growing up, and I don't know if you ever saw this, but like Water for Chocolate. Yes. I and love that movie. So one of the things that I remember about that story is her emotions are always poured into the yes. food. And I think they say like you're whatever you're eating, you could tell that the chef. The emotions. Yes. Funny you say that. There's a rule in my house. When they see me walk with a mad face into the doors after work, nobody's eating dinner. <laughs> That means that means dad's cooking, aka dad's buying my dinner. dinner. Because wow. that's the last thing you want to do is eat my mad food. Oh my god. I, I believe that. that. Yeah. I believe that. Because yeah. uh, that's why when I don't feel like it, I tell them straight up. I don't feel like cooking. <laughs> Figure <No>. it out. <laughs> so let's let's take a step back. You decided to come to culinary school yeah. in the States. You already knew you were gonna come to States to come. Why why the United States to take culinary classes um why not somewhere in the philippines um there were culinary it was so new back then um the culinary industry was nothing more than just you know food service back then got it and then in mid 90s all of a sudden people in the philippines realized you know we're such good cooks here Mm -hmm. you know everyone's opening restaurants and all of a sudden, uh, the first ever culinary school opened up in Manila oh, first. Wow. And I was in, actually spent time there too. But I don't know, things just happened. And my parents brought up the United States. And I don't know, I, it felt like the right looking move. back, I think they kind of knew that that was the direction I was going to go. So I ended up here. That's awesome. Um, and where did you go? I went to school in New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I went there for- in California, for those of you that are just listening. We're in California, so, yeah. I went to New York. That here. was, I really wanted to go to those big, fancy schools, but mm-hmm. my parents, you know, could never afford it, knowing yeah. that the money is, you know, in Filipino currency trying to pay right. tuition here, and we had to pay cash. 
looking back, I can't believe my mom did that for me. And then in the United States, if you're international, you're not here from here. It usually costs more money. It correct? costs more money and mm-hmm. they ask for it up front. Yes. So, you know, looking so you back. So you went to school in New yeah. York? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went to school there, lived with my family there for a bit. And then after I finished that course, um, came back to California to do some internships, externships. I did a stint at the Santa Anita racetrack. You did? Yeah. I worked at the pastry kitchen (laughs) there for a little bit. That was fun. Um, And then I went home. Mm -hmm. And then that's when we got engaged. You and Um, James. Yeah. I think it was year 2000. We got engaged and got married in 01 in Manila and permanently moved here then. Oh, Uprooted my life. He was already living here in the United States. Yeah. He was born in the Philippines, but pretty much grew up here in the States with his family. Uh Uh-huh. And he likes to cook, too. No, James likes to eat. (laughs) But James has cooked for us in the past. He barbecues on on command. (laughs) But even with that, I'd rather do it myself. I really do love to cook. You know, if Mm -hmm. I could. I think my favorite part about, I don't want to say my favorite part about COVID, but the silver lining for me of COVID was the first month. Uh Uh-huh. When we were all literally locked up. Yes. And everyone was cooking. I call it the banana bread Dalgona oh coffee stage. Oh my gosh, stage. you're right. You're right. Everybody, I I did. I did. I cooked like a ton of different banana yeah. breads. I bought. Uh, jo- That's the banana bread yeah. stage. I, I bought Joanna Gaines cookbook <laughs> and I, I cooked uh, her banana bread. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone. And we tried it in different forms. I I am a purist with a lot of things, so I tend to stay true to a recipe. Mm-hmm. The most I do is chocolate chip and walnuts. Yeah, that's what you I know? mean. Hers calls for pecans, and I, I I like walnuts. Yeah, and chocolate chips. So we added all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was the best stage for me of COVID. <laughs> was the that's first everybody was saying banana bread stage. Gaining Everyone's, fifteen pounds. Yeah, yeah. everyone's locked up. Yeah. Nowhere to go. You're all on the same boat. Uh huh. Right. And then mm-hmm. it felt split. All of a sudden, it felt like a point where you're the only one living the pandemic and everyone went yeah. back to normal going on vacations and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. That was interesting to see when yeah. people started yeah. traveling. Yeah. But I think everyone was traveling by land. No one was flying, but everybody was still going places. Places. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I look at my social media, such a funny thing because. I look at it and all of a sudden I'm I'm no longer in a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> it has a way of taking you into another um, reality. Yeah, it's right? a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. it takes you to a different reality at the same time. You know, the human in you also feels like, wait, why why am I not in that same planet? Right. And why, wh- why why am I not there again? Yeah, why are you living that life and I'm living yeah. this life? Why am I yeah. so cautious and you're not, mm-hmm. you know? So let's go uh, before. So what made you decide or how long were you guys married before you opened up your first and what took you in that direction? So we were married in 01. Mm -hmm. Didn't have kids, didn't have Jaden till 07. Mm -hmm. So it was a long time. All this time, James was working in the government computer industry, Mm -hmm. doing sales for them. I was a stay-at-home mom for the most part. I worked for a little bit prior to having the kids. Then upon having Jaden and Leah stay at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometime in like 2012, 13, James started to feel, you know, an unsteady shift 
in his career where mm-hmm. he felt the need to have something more steady, mm-hmm. I guess would be the word. He wanted something for ourselves. But back back that time, during that time, the market just crashed. The market just crashed. But yes. it, people weren't really feeling the effects until around 12, yes. 13. Yeah. Yeah. So it felt like at that point, I think it felt like kind of like now where it's every yes. man for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like going back and forth with things that he wanted to do. We went from talking about having a barbecue stand at farmer's markets and all mm-hmm. that or to having his own computer business that's his own and then one day he was i think he was having a car meet so james is a car enthusiast mm-hmm. he has a car called an ae86 a toyota corolla a86 which he loves and they go on these car meets where mm-hmm. they him and his friends would park their cars pop the hoods and mm-hmm. stare at the engines for hours I don't know, yeah, but no. that's what they do. Fred did it too. Um, but hey, I am mad yeah. at it. Could be worse. <laughs> yeah. So he said, hey, maybe we should just like open up our own cafe. We're like going all the way to Roland Heights and San Gabriel just to go get boba yeah. back then. Nothing was that in was China. So, yeah, everything you remember? Was, yes. There was no yeah, boba nothing. shops in China no. except Rainbow. If you wanted any kind of Filipino You got to drive out. Exactly. So he joked about, um... Maybe we franchise something like a Tapioca Express. So he did look into that, mm-hmm. tried to look at the model, and he didn't like it. Mm-hmm. He says, that's too much control on there, and I think we could do this on our own and nice. model it ourselves and yeah. figure it out. And I remember he wrote up a business plan. It's like a 50-page business plan. Wow. Um, he did everything, all the market study and all that, researched Boba history. He did he did he did everything right. Mm-hmm. Had it on paper. We were reading it. We were like, this looks easy enough. Yeah. Um, and so Cafe 86 came to be. So it's named after his. It's named after not me, but his car. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad. Not really. But yeah. Um, but it has a nice catchy name. Yeah. We opened the cafe um, under the pretense of him having his own place to have a car meet. Got it. And at the so same, kind of taking the old uh, Whittier cruise yes, style, exactly. but into the parking lot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when we did it, when we were developing the menu, I mean, there's a million other boba shops there that sell the same kind of milk tea, yes. Thai tea, and everything else. And myself, I wanted to be different. I'm like, why would I open a shop that already? Sells the same yeah, thing. George that down the street is selling. So I'm like, mm-hmm. let's be different. I mean, we're Filipino. I would love to showcase Filipino flavors. Yeah. So we built the menu under pre- under the pretense that we will do Filipino flavors. Initially, it was just all drinks. Um, we had ube milkshakes and calamansi yeah. iced teas, and then it evolved to. James telling me, can you bake something? Yeah, just kind of like a little side. Yeah, he's like, you know, on a side, just bake something. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Hmm, well, I can't bake anything normal either. It's just not me. (laughs) So I made... What what do you mean you can't bake anything normal? I mean, I'll bake a normal brownie, a vanilla, you know, vanilla. But it's just, again, everyone else has it. Yeah. So let's do something different. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, let's bake ube which is like growing up in the yeah. Philippines, it's my vanilla. Yeah. So we did that. And once we opened the doors to the cafe and served the first ube truffle back then, 
there's just no looking back. It it just switched. Yeah. I And I've told you before, I knew because we hadn't even met yet. Yeah. And our, you know, for those of you listening, my husband's Filipino. So my daughter <laughs> came home and was like, mom, there's a Filipino bakery. We got to go. Okay, let's let's go. And it's like she was just in love with your place. So so thank you for that because, like you said, there was nothing out here yeah. for us to find or just to go grab something really quick and didn't want the standard milk tea. We wanted yeah. something different. And I have to say everything inside your shop is absolutely delicious. So, so I mean, that was really our one of our main goals was mm-hmm. to be able to give – not just Filipinos, but everyone else, like an introduction a, to our culture. A taste of flavor. A taste of something different. Mm. And for me, myself, I just really wanted to showcase what I love to eat. Right. And the flavors that I grew up loving. So so you open up a restaurant or, or a cafe, I should say, in the middle of just like the start of the rise again of the economy coming yeah. back. Was that scary for you guys or you just felt like this is just the right thing to do? No, it was really unsteady for us not knowing. It, it's yeah. it's unfamiliar territory with mm-hmm. James coming from the computer industry. He mm-hmm. was in sales, but not food sales. Right. And for myself, who was never a business owner, I grew up watching my mom run a business, mm-hmm. but never really knew the inner workings of it. Did you call her and ask her for advice? We did. Yeah. We, we we always asked her. And you know, she always, regardless of whether we asked her or not, mom would always give her an opinion. <laughs> that's being a mom, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, that's being a mom. And, you know, we approached other friends that were, you know, in business. Entrepreneurs. So, yeah. Yeah, and you mm. you just it's funny because once you were we were knee deep into the whole business, there are so many things we discovered that nobody ever talks about. Right. Like the the good, the bad, the ugly stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they don't tell you that um when you're building that it could you're you're projected to spend 30% more than what you yeah. originally had planned. Mm-hmm. You know how how naive we were? We drew the cafe's plans on paper, thinking we could submit to the city a hand-drawn layout. Oh, wow. We had no idea. But who, who would tell you that? I mean, how would Nobody you know told that? us exactly. that. Yeah. So yeah. that's how naive we were. And we were was like, the city helpful? So and they were you? very helpful. The city of Chino is actually... Their ex- was, was it cheaper in Chino than it was in, in Chino, Chino Hills? Hills. Yes, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Um... And I mean, if you ask me personally, you know, of course, there's a difference in real estate market, but to me, Chino and Chino Hills is one and the same. I love them both. But But you're like borderline. We're borderline, but city of Chino, um, the building department, the Mm -hmm. city office, they're great people and they're so easy to work with. Yeah. And they helped us from Mm -hmm. day one up to this day. They're always very helpful and supportive. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, they don't tell you these things. Nobody tells you that you spend nights crying. Yeah. You know, nobody Trying tells you. Trying to figure out how yeah. to open, yeah. how to make sure that you're following the guidelines. Yeah. Right. Because you also have now food yeah. guidelines that you have to follow. Nobody tells you how hard it is to handle people. <sighs> nobody That's tells really you important. that. That's really important. Yeah. So I, I think um, one of the things that, as an entrepreneur coming into this thing, meeting people and they ask me for advice, I always tell them the bad. 
<laughs> I'm yeah. like, you're going to come to me. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat. But that's important. I yeah. think, you know, I, I think so often that when people uh, meet entrepreneurs or they meet su- successful business owners, they see like in anything kind of, kind of like comparing it to a diet, right? When you see somebody who is yeah. strong, you don't, you don't remember what it took them, the road that it took for them to get there. Same thing with business. It doesn't happen overnight. It wasn't like you said, I'm going to open up a cafe and tomorrow, and then we're going to be successful and start. You had to go through the struggles. Yeah. They don't know. Nobody tells you how hard it is to manage a home, right? raise kids, Mm -hmm. keep a marriage together. together. Now you're working together. While working together. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's some days I'll be like, I don't want to see you today. (laughs) You may not even see eye to eye. Yeah. Because you might have different ideas of how you're going to go. Between James and myself, he's the finance guy. Okay. The numbers. I'm the creative. So can you Mm -hmm. imagine the headbutting between... Well, but that's a a, good balance. Yeah, it's a really great balance. I think our teamwork and our dynamic is good, but... But Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. Some days I just want to poke him in the eyeballs. (laughs) I really do. I'm like... Those are the days you come home mad and you're not cooking. (laughs) Yeah, those are the days when they're eating um, eating Eating. out pizza. Those are the pizza nights. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so what was the, for, how long did it take for you to go from paper to opening your doors? Six months. Six months? That's yeah. actually not bad. Yeah, six yeah. months. Yeah. Um, you had to come up with like a pricing. Yeah. You had to yeah. come up with, yeah. It just, That just consumed our day to day in those six months. Like, Did the, you work the um, cafe? Sorry? Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, initially, it was horrible. James was still working his full-time job. Mm-hmm. I had the little kids. Mm-hmm. Jaden was in first grade that time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they were little. So yes. you can imagine how yes. little Leah was. So She was like one or two, right? Yeah. So yes. I had my niece living with us that time, mm-hmm. helping me with the recipe development and everything, all aspects. So you guys tried everything in your kitchen? Yeah. That's so awesome. You have a fantastic island, though, to to try. <laughs> oh, it wasn't fantastic when you're trying to produce for a bakery. I was in tears most of those days because we would get up, get the kids ready to go to school, um, open the store at about 7 a.m., get uh-huh. everything ready. Me and my niece would work from opening till we close. No, no, not till we close because James would walk in at about 6.30 straight from his day job. Wow. Take our spot. We, my niece and I, would go home with the kids. Yeah. After school, and then start baking at about 10 p.m. Once the kids go to bed. So you would have inventory for the next day. Yeah. So yeah. you were doing so all your. We baking were baking at home. from 10 p.m. till about 3 to 4 a.m. Oh my gosh! Sleep a little bit, wake up again at seven, and repeat. And repeat. Yeah. And was there ever a time where you wanted to quit? Yes. <laughs> Every year I quit about six times. Six times? <laughs> I'll tell you. I quit. He's like, you can't quit. Well, I just did, didn't I? <laughs> You're like, I'm not baking tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. There's really days when you just cry and wonder why you did this in the first place. What What made you keep going? I mean, You look at your kids and you want to give them a good future. Yeah. And I mean... The cafe has really grown to be something that we truly love. We mm. we have gained so many amazing friends because mm-hmm. of the cafe. 
friends that we would never have met otherwise. Otherwise, yeah. Um, the exposure that I think we have brought, helped bring to Filipino culture mm-hmm. and to bring spotlight to the wonderful flavor of ube that we really love and adore. I think that's one of the silver linings. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much good in what the cafe has brought to us. Yeah. You know, hard days are there, but that's just, like you said earlier, that's just life. Yeah. Regardless of what your business is, you have good days and bad days. You do. Yeah. You do. It's it's what, it's your mindset on how yeah. you're going to do it. Are you going to stay lying down? Yeah. Or are you going to get back and up I think, again? And I think um, for us Filipinos, and I think it's the same for Hispanics, mm. we acclimate and adapt so yes. well. Whatever's thrown at us, especially, mm-hmm. you know, Filipino and Hispanic women, I think we're pretty yeah. tough. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So <laughs> I think, you know, we really adapt pretty well yes. to whatever's thrown at us. So mm-hmm. I don't just, I don't think it's in uh, I don't think it's in your mindset. It's not in my mindset that you get to just lay down. No. But you got I would love going. to. Yes. I would just, love to just lay down. And, and and even if you did, you did it for like five minutes and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I gotta I mean, get back so up. There's so much stuff to do. Yeah. You have laundry That's to not do, to house say, to Yeah, it's not to say that, that it's easy because it's not. You're constantly going. Yeah. But it's having the mindset to keep going. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. So, so you open up your first business here, Chino Hills. Yeah. How did you start advertising to get the word out? We didn't. Um, because your shop's like in a little hidden. tiny corner. We never yeah. paid a single diamond advertising up to this day. That is awesome. Um, we had an Instagram account. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much it. We took photos every day, posted every day. Unbeknownst to us, back then in 2014, um, it was getting passed on and passed on and passed on. So we opened the store worrying about you know, sales every day, like, oh my gosh, are we even going to sell enough then? We wondered why there was always a line of people waiting mm-hmm. before we opened. And we would ask them, where are you guys coming from? Are you from here in Chino Hills or Chino? They're like, oh, we're from Glendale. I'm like, how the heck what? did you come here from Glendale Yeah, on a Tuesday? Yeah. They said, well, we saw it on Instagram. Then it became a pattern. We would hear people say, on Instagram, we saw this photo, and this message was passed on to us through Facebook and Instagram. And you had some oh really my unique gosh. drinks, though. Yeah, I remember, and we're like, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. And then it just grew and grew and grew until we felt the need to open the second store in our second year. Where is the second in Pasadena. store? Pasadena. And, you know, God blessed us enough to, for us to be able to open one store every year. Since you opened in 2014. Where are your stores located? Um, the Pasadena one has been closed, um, but we still have a store in Artesia. Okay. We still, of course, here in Chino, um, we have two in San Diego. Oh, so yeah. So there's one in Chula Vista. And you guys just opened those yeah, not too long ago. Chula Vista and Mira Mesa out oh in San gosh. Diego. And we have one in Las Vegas. One in Las Vegas. Yeah. I remember when you opened that too. Yeah. It's so, so exciting. Yeah, I mean... There's really not much for us to complain about because we've yeah. been able to sustain the businesses in spite of what's going on. So how we're really you, grateful. How did you adapt to that? Oh, well, actually, before I even get there, when did you hire your first employee? 
first employee got hired when we opened the store here. In so, so we did. It was the three yes. of you. It was three of us working full on, plus maybe four more. Oh, okay. So yeah. from the get go, yeah, you from hired. the get go, we really okay. needed to have help. But for yeah. the most part, it was us working all shifts, getting to know the community, getting to know the customers for about two years. That's we did awesome. That. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. now, are you still doing that? Yes, we still do it as needed. Um, okay. Front of the house, we don't do that so much. But on the back end, we work every day in the back office. Um, I used to work production every day, but I've stepped aside from that too. So you've taught others Yeah, we, I've taught others the recipes and people are now baking for us. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a crew of about six women that bake for us. Six <laughs> women and about two dudes that bake for us out in the kitchen and... They all came in with zero knowledge of baking, and we taught them really? ourselves. Yeah. What What made you hire people that had zero knowledge? Um, Was it just are they people that you knew? It's just people who applied for the job. the job. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. I mean, I wasn't picky. I I needed people who came in and really wanted to work. Yeah. And it was their ethic. Yeah. That was Do you want to learn how to bake? And mm. they want to learn. And we hired them, and you know. You base your your staff, even earlier you said when you interviewed them, you make sure that they know that the passion has to yeah. be there when they're serving. Yeah. So it sounds like you surrounded your your tribe and your cafe is everyone who has the same philosophy, the same. We uh, we yeah. would always hope that that would be the mm-hmm. case. Um, you know, That's really good. It's not for everyone. No. People will come and go. It's like a revolving door. The food industry, the retail industry is mm-hmm. a revolving door. It's not for everyone. And you would... Kind of throughout the years, we noticed and we we realized how easy it is to detect when it's not for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you let them in, you let them try it, and sometimes they fall out themselves. Sometimes you have to make the hard decision to mm-hmm. let them go. Um, but it's not for everyone. And with, when you find the right people, you know, you you just hope You're and pray that it. they'll stay with you. Yeah. And, you know, so a lot of them have grown with us. Um, some of our staff here in Chino have been with us since the beginning. Wow. And, you know, we had one who just put in his two weeks after five years wow. because he finally got a job in aerospace. That shows that's me. That's what he wanted to do. That's yeah. ultimately what he wanted to do. I don't want all these kids to remain in a boba shop forever. We're a stepping right. stone for them. Right. It's just training ground for them in order, you know, for them to start their lives. And But you're you know, still, even though you said it's a stepping stone for them, they're still learning the work ethic. And yeah, the, we um, hope that they are. Yes, yeah, so they take it with them. You're yeah. giving them the foundation for yes, their future. I hope as so. Far as how to treat others. Of course, when they're working yeah. for us, they don't like us at that point because we're their <laughs> bosses at that time. And right. They're really not that crazy about us. Yeah. But I really am blessed because some of them do come back and and tell us yeah, that, thank you know, you. thank you. You know, it wasn't smooth sailing at that point. We saw differently, but walking away, they'll say, Thank you for what you taught us. And, That's awesome. You know, so it makes us feel good. Yeah. That actually, you know, we've maintained these relationships with them and they look back and remember how good it was working for us. But this is not the only thing that you've done. I mean, so first of all, congratulations. You're in the process of now buying your own building, right? That's <laughs> yeah. pretty amazing. But you personally have done something that's kind of Oh, <laughs> I think that's pretty big bragging rights to share. Um, so I just tell us about that. Think, and how did you end up doing I that? I think um how did that come about? It's so funny because this all happened the day before the world shut down. Really? Where the episode wow. for Food Network Chop Sweets aired and 
I was chop champion for that yeah. episode. How did you get into that? Or did you just, um, how did that come into your life? I was scouted in 2019. Oh, they came to you. Yeah. That's so awesome. I was scouted and everything, I don't know. I, I've been scouted a bunch of times for Food Network and maybe three times already in the mm -hmm. past. And I've always chickened out of it. Really? Just because I just was so intimidated by it and didn't, I didn't want to do it. Okay. So I've always chickened out until finally in last year, they were scouting me for this particular one. And um, the process was pretty fast. Uh, they emailed me one day. I responded. And immediately they said, could you hop on a call in two hours? Okay. I said, okay, I'll hop on a call. They were East Coast. So I hopped on a call with them. They did a quick interview and said, you know what? We don't want to you know, string you along. We want you to move on to the next round. Could you hop on another call next week with Food Network producers? And I did that and it just was like a whirlwind. Within a week, I was booked to leave for New York. Awesome. <laughs> and it was like a whirlwind and I didn't even know what I was getting into. And I'm like, can I do this? Can I really cook in 30 minutes and yeah, be yeah. thrown all these ingredients that I am yeah. not... Because they like, just give you random ingredients give and you, you have random to make stuff. something out of it. Okay. What you see on TV is pretty much what you get. Real. Oh, wow. It's, okay. It's even more stressful in, in real life. Yes. Because they edit it on TV and they don't show the parts where you're screaming at the cameraman who are in your way and <laughs> when you're burning your hand. You know, they'll pick yeah. and choose what they show, but the ugly, they really leave it out and it yeah. really gets like can be really bad machines and oh my gosh it's stressful like you yeah. want to throw up kind of stressful yeah and it's it's a one hour sh is it a one hour show something like that yeah um but we were filming for like 15 hours whoa so it really gets in your head yeah and we're locked up in a studio we we're not even allowed to walk outside <gasps> Once in a while, they'll say, you need air? I said, yeah, I need air. Please let me out. Yeah, so they'll yeah. let you get air. But it's really mental. Mm -hmm. They lock you in with your competitors and you're all talking and getting to know getting each, to know each other. Hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but also at the same time, so much fun. Um, very rewarding. Very rewarding. I didn't. I walked in just didn't wanting I didn't want to be eliminated first. That was my goal. Yeah. I told the kids, kids, I just don't want to go home first. Did and your family go with you? No. Just no one you. was allowed. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I was just it was just really me. Mm -hmm. But it was a good experience going back to New York since I left. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I was back since, since I left for culinary school. Wow. So I remember landing in JFK and getting into the cabin. I just cried <laughs> really yeah because i just kind of couldn't believe home. that i i'm here at this point in my life when this is where i went to culinary school and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna be on a food network which is like a dream i always just watched food network as a kid and yeah. watch tv and never thought i'd be here much less win it yeah so it was i always say when people ask that was god's gift um. because I dreamt about that competition. I, because you know you're you're gearing yes. up and it's consuming you. And I dream about it. And every basket that came to me, I dreamt about prior to that. And I was telling the judges, I'm like, dude, I dreamt about this corn that's in this basket and all that. 
Really? Yeah. So uh, that was like a sign to me. You need, I'll show you the link on how you can watch it. But well, we'll put up the links so yeah. that way everybody can watch yeah. it. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. So this, that's, that's it was, so awesome. I love that you watched this as a little girl and you went to school there and then all of a sudden you're now competing yeah. and you win. I know. That you was, win. It's still surreal. I, I don't think I fully processed it only because mm. it happened. Like I said, the day before the world shut down, yeah. it aired and, you know, people watched I it. I don't think that was, yeah, I don't, I don't think it got the recognition that you deserved in the show because mm. all of us were going through. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, but uh, the I world mean, was kind of upside down. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from your amazing experience. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it, it was a really amazing experience for me. Um, I, it's funny because I tell the kids sometimes at home when I'm making dinner and they don't feel like eating my food. I'm like, dude, you have a chopped champion <laughs> cooking your food and you don't want to eat it. I said, I said, you guys suck. <laughs> I wonder if they even like comprehend. <laughs> to, it, to them, have. to them, it's like, uh, uh, your mom. Yeah. it's just mom. just mom. Yeah. We get this like, every day. <laughs> you make this all the time. I'm like. You guys have no oh idea. Whatever. But yeah, that, that's my life at home. <laughs> do you even know who's cooking I said, for you? Do you know during COVID, I would bake something and I say, Does anyone want a dozen cookies? They come to our door right away. And you guys won't even eat it. You guys suck. <laughs> These children it. are horrible. <laughs> take it for granted. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have a question for you, but they were in class. Did you cook their lunches every day? Yes. <laughs> I would make them Filipino food. Oh my gosh. That's my kids awesome. were the rice bowl kids. <laughs> yeah, they but would, that's okay. They would, they, it's not like when we were going to school. You, you know? know, when we were younger, I didn't grow up here, but James would tell me stories of his friends making fun of his yeah. rice bowls. Yeah. Or burritos or yeah. anything that we took yeah. to school. So they said, oh, you... yeah, they made fun of my food. Yeah. So I would always be so careful asking Jaden. One day he said, I want to bring sinigang to school. You know what sinigang yeah. is, right? Yeah. Soup. Yeah. So I said, are you kidding me? He's like, uh-uh. I said, are you serious? You're going to bring sinigang? And Leah, too. I'm like, your friends are going to make fun of you. But and they said, no, I they don't want care. some. Or, yeah. Or... So I sent <laughs> yeah. them soup to yeah. school. And I said, so what happened today? <laughs> How was lunch? And they said, we shared it with two of our Filipino friends. Yes. The moment we opened it, they're like, what is that? Sinigang. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So my, different, right? So yeah. different. But I am so happy that my kids will grow up in a time where Filipino food has become so exposed. Yes. That. Their other friends are talking about adobo, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. pancit, mm -hmm. ube, mm -hmm. and ube is now available. In oh my gosh, Zoe has introduced ube to so many yeah. of her friends. And, uh, you know, I remember people coming over and um, saying, what's ube? Yeah. And it was just like, it's a staple in our household. So it's so interesting to see like everyone's reactions exactly to it. and yeah um growing up and visiting the u.s as a kid 
Mm-hmm. It was never something that I saw. Never yeah. in my wildest dreams did I ever see that there would be Longanisa and Albertsons freezer aisle. Right. Or would there be Ube ice cream at an ice you cream shop? You posted that yeah. the other day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, are you planning on doing a cookbook? Something I, you know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> why not why not why not someday do maybe. the kids cook leah's like learning how to cook okay. Jaden's learning too because i mean they stay home by themselves yes. for most for the most part yeah. so i've taught them how to use the air fryer basics they know how to make rice with a finger method right 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 so you they, know it's so funny i'm the only one in my household that does not know how to do that like I the finger method the yes, kids know it everybody my kids can make the rice that way better than I can <laughs> I'm still old school measuring like, no no I'm the so you know my culture is Hispanic culture yeah. so I cook rice in a pot in a pot yeah yes and I don't measure I know like same yep. thing it's just automatic yeah Either if it's the fried uh, Mexican rice or it's just even white rice, yeah. it's different, yeah. right? Then there. So someone else asked me the other day, they're like, do you make it? I'm like, no, I'm the only one in the household. Wait, do you have a rice cooker? We do you have do, a rice cooker. You know, when we got married, my mother-in-law gave me yep. a 50-pound um, sack of rice. 50-pound sack of rice, yeah. but with the, the with dispenser. The dispenser. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? It's a robot. <laughs> yeah. You push a button push and a button. One or two. And one, two, three like, cups. Everybody has one of those. Yeah. So it's funny. The other day, uh, oh, we were on Zoom with um, Leah's class. And I don't know what it was. And then she turns to me, mutes herself and says, are we the only ones with a rice cooker? No. <laughs> I said, not really. Other Filipinos have it. Yeah. And she's like, do white people not have them? I said, no, they don't. <laughs> I said, you know, some of them might. Yeah. And she I says, I thought dance, yeah. I thought a rice cooker was just like a microwave. Yeah. That's what she said. I thought everyone had it just like a microwave. Wow, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's what she yeah. thought. All she her mind was blown that not everyone that owned I have one. A rice cooker. Yeah. Yeah. She says, How do they make their rice? How do they I make said, their rice? News flash, Leah, you're the only one who eats rice three times a day. <laughs> No, it's in our household. Too. Yeah, it's a staple. Yeah. It's funny how to them it's so normal that you know Cer- certain things, right? Yeah. yeah. She's like, and now she's like, "What do they eat?" I said, "Why don't you ask your friends?" Yeah. I said, "Go ask." Share each yeah. other's culture. I said, "Ask your friends what they eat." Yeah. Well, then she, you know, she hangs out with one of her good friends, Mia, and you know, she's been to their house and she's seen videos of them making tamales and tortillas and stuff like that see we do that too in our household so we we try to it's funny because christmas eve will be uh filipino food yes and then christmas day Day. is tamales yes so it's you know we try to incorporate both cultures into our household so i mean that's amazing yeah it's it's what it is Mm -hmm. so where are you guys going from here where do you plan to go from here with a shop with yourself with your experience um uh, and then the last question is, what advice do you give to entrepreneurs? I think from here, we're just really trying to figure out avenues mm-hmm. in order for us to generate business. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you catering? We don't cater per se. We do take large bulk orders. We yes. do that. But, you know, during this time of COVID, there's not a lot of people throwing parties. But do you do like 
for example, every Thanksgiving, I give my clients pumpkin pies. Do you we do take stuff orders. like that? Yeah, we yeah, take okay. orders for stuff like that. It's right. something that happens throughout the holidays. We're busiest during the holidays just because of all these holiday parties, gifting, mm-hmm. and people. That make... should be kind of interesting to see what happens yeah, this coming exactly. year. Yeah, exactly. So we're not quite sure what that's going to look like for 2020. Mm-hmm. But regardless of we're just going to prepare like we did last year. Right. You're adapting. We're adapting. Really, mm-hmm. it's really just about adapting to the whatever is thrown at you. So we've pivoted to more of a distribution channel at this point just because we knew that we have the supply for things that now people are demanding mm-hmm. that typically comes from overseas. Mm-hmm. There's no overseas right now. It's right. the hardest commodity to to get your hands on is anything from overseas. So we can't really rely on that channel anymore. So we've pivoted to a distribution level where we're able to supply things stateside. Um, have you have you had any orders out of state? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So not, per, not our products per se, but more, um, you know, supplies. Mm, you know, the, mm. the ingredients, the raw right, ingredients right. and stuff like that. So, so you're expand. I mean, that's one of your adapt adapting. Yeah, you we're know. expanding to other things just because if you this to. ever happens again, you need to be able to survive. We need to be able to survive, and we need to be able to have other channels of income. So that's what we're busy with right now is figuring that avenue out. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping that we could still open more branches of Cafe Eighty Six. Right. Our our goal was to open in the East Coast, mm. um, but obviously that's been put on hold. So that's still there. Yeah, don't take it away just yeah, because. Exactly. It's it's kind of like this is my dream. It might not happen tomorrow, but it's still gonna be there. It's still gonna happen. Yeah. Just so, maybe not today. Yeah, it's yeah. just not today. Yeah. But it's still there. It's so still we're there. it's we're still For working sure. on that. Um personal level, we're just looking to be able to just spend time with the kids. It was yeah. a nice experience for us to be able to have time during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I was telling people during the time when the beginning, everyone was so depressed. And I said, you know what? All of us have complained all this time, but I don't have enough time to right. do this or that. God just well, gave news it to flash, us. We have three months now. We've had six months now mm-hmm. to do whatever it was that we wanted mm-hmm. to do and be with our kids. And Ah, that was a gift to me to be yes, able to sleep, stay home, be with cook for the kids. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed that. I really mm-hmm. did. So that was my silver lining for the pandemic was the the gift of time. That's beautiful. And um, yeah, right now we're just taking it day by day, just trying to stabilize everything and trying to survive and just keep working. We never stopped working. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the best advice I could give is just always expect to be the hardest working yeah person in the room especially when you own a business um always maintain integrity i think it's just the biggest part is working with integrity and not stepping on anyone's toes and Mm -hmm. praying lots of prayer because there's going to be lots of tears yeah throughout all this and nothing really you're gonna get through it right yeah you're gonna get through it everyone cries everyone has problems Yep. So it is what it is. My husband always say, it is what it is. I said, I know, but, you know. But that doesn't mean that it's not okay to have those days. Exactly. Because 
I think if you have a really good cry, it clears your mind yeah. to be able to get up it's and go purging. tomorrow. It's yes. purging. It's so, purging. Yeah. I call this time of COVID life dialysis, I think. It's like filtering all the bad where, you know, you realize what you could do without. Didn't that is you? true. Yes. Yeah. You could realize yeah. you could do without certain things in your life. Certain and you things, realize certain people. Certain people, yeah. yeah. So it was like filtering, dialysis. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, but, thank you so much for being here. Thanks and, for and if you're ever me. cooking and you have extra stuff, you know my number. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I do that all the time. If you follow me on Instagram when there's extra food yeah. and extra cookies, I'm like first five to say here gets the food. And they come. They come yes. to my house and yeah. pick up off porch that's awesome so, yeah. so we're gonna post her instagram so you can see that and follow her and i really hope that you do write a cookbook <laughs> because i will be the first person to buy it Hopefully. so i think you i, I think you're that would be, be amazing nice. yes i mean look at how how far you've come already and we were talking about age earlier and i still think you're very young and you have a lot of life. I'm young at heart. I live, my heart remained in the 90s. I never wanted to leave. <laughs> in the 90s? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That was the, the highlight of my life. <laughs> I always tell my kids that Leah is like a 90s child. It's so funny. I don't know how it happened, but I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad She at loves it. her 90s music now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so Thanks, much for Christy. being here. All right, guys. Uh, follow her. And I look forward to all she has to bring to us. Right? Have a great day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Oh.